It is Thursday, April 6th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Clippers win an all-important battle for LA. And the Mavericks keep hope alive. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Mavericks get a win over the Sacramento Kings and keep themselves in the mix. The Clippers beat the Lakers and with that might have made it out of the play-in round. And the Bucks clinched the one seed without Giannis or Middleton. So obviously, NBA is going to be the Vegas lead, uh, although we do in this episode, have an interview with Adrian Yanez, who fights on UFC 287 this weekend on the pay-per-view. So we'll have that later on in the show. Uh, we'll talk some baseball, obviously, as well. Uh, but I, I think the NBA is it, like where we're at in the season right now, Scott. This is the this is the time where every game seems to matter the most. Yeah, and let's bring in our NBA expert Mackenzie Rivers, and uh, we'll start with that battle for LA last night as the Clippers defeat the Lakers one twenty five one eighteen thirty three points from LeBron James in the loss, and with that win, the Clippers now are in possession of the five seed. They are tied with the Warriors, but have the tiebreaker. But the Lakers now one game back and currently in the play-in tournament. Mackenzie, how big was this win for the Clippers? Let's talk about the game. I mean, people always project towards the playoffs, and I'm not sure if either of them wanted to win or not wanted to win, but I know the Clippers have won 10 games in a row against them entering last night, and now it's 11, covering all but one. And uh, the last time the Lakers beat the Clippers, it was in the bubble. It's been that long, and they play, you know, four times a year. Um, and what I don't understand about this game is why I'm such an idiot, first of all, uh, for somehow <laughs> losing money on, on the Clippers-Lakers game. Uh, I went went to bed last night. Clippers minus three made perfect sense. I don't think the Lakers are as good as the Clippers. Uh, on a back-to-back, plenty of rest of the Clippers. I'll, I'll write a nice write-up in the morning, and, and we're going to be Clippers two-star all the way. And something was funny. It went up to five, and I'm like, all right, I missed it. And then it went back down to three. And then... Half an hour before the game, the Lakers ended up being two-point favorites. All of this money flooded in on the Lakers. I'm like, oh, Kawhi's obviously not playing. He must be out. So, you know, glad I missed it. Glad I missed that boat because Kawhi's out. They're throwing the game. They want the sixth seed. Actually, everybody's (laughs) playing. Everybody's in the game. And somehow the market said the Lakers were two points better on a back-to-back after an overtime game. The Clippers haven't played since Saturday. It was a crazy line move, and a lot of people lost money because it was pretty easy uh, most of the way for LAC. Yeah, and so now uh, the Lakers in the play-in mix right now, um, I guess still have an opportunity to fight their way out of it. They'll have uh, two games remaining against the Suns and the Jazz, and they are just one game back of both the Clippers and the Warriors, but I would assume they lose any tiebreaker to the Clippers. So really the Warriors is who they're hoping to chase down, right? Yeah, they're both of the same record. It's crazy. To think that, the, that all three of these teams entered, the, entered last night with the same record, considering how uh, differently we viewed their seasons at different points. Yeah, and I mean, the Pelicans are, are still in that mix as well. They're tied with the Lakers, and they don't have uh, an easy finish to the season either as they play the New York Knicks, although I guess the Knicks are locked into the five seed mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. But then they, they finish out the season against Minnesota, who's obviously still in in the same mix as the Lakers and the uh, the Pelicans. And it could be the difference between being the eight or the nine, which is obviously a, a big deal uh, in that play-in bracket. Yeah, I uh, looked it up. The Lakers, three and one versus the Warriors. They do have the tiebreaker. And someone raised this point. The Lakers, Warriors, Clippers, three of the favorites in the West could all finish, uh, and even the Suns, you know, possibly, could finish last in their division and their favorite to win the title. When has that ever happened in sports? It's uh, There's a reason why... Uh, you know, the league is thinking about major changes because that's that's kind of crazy when you think about it. These are the worst teams in their division and the best teams in the sport. It's funny that the Warriors, we've talked a lot about that system uh, where the Warriors win at home and they lose on the road, and it's it's damn near clockwork. Uh, their last two games are both road games. Tomorrow, tomorrow night, they're at Sacramento. 
which that could really be the deciding game for them on their their playoff or play-in hopes because their last game of the season is at Portland, which despite the system, I still think uh, the the Warriors will take care of business in that game. But that Sacramento game tomorrow night, one of the bigger games left on the, the remaining schedule. Yeah, that should be a good one. Could be a playoff preview. The Warriors would have to really, really want to lose that game uh, versus Portland at the at Portland, the last game of the season. Like, I don't even think they'd be able to pull those kind of shenanigans. So that's that's a you pencil that in as a double. You could put it in pen. Actually, speaking of Sacramento, feels like the biggest game for playoff implications that happened on last night's card was Dallas getting a, a win over the Kings. Clearly, a desperation spot for Dallas. Sacramento's art they clinched the division I should have known that the Sacramento was going to basically take the night off uh they clinched the division and for the first time in damn near 20 years they're locked into the three seed Dallas clinging for hope big win for the Mavericks if they lost that game it would have felt like the Mavericks it, it was maybe a, a a road too far for them to no get doubt. to the playoffs at that point yeah Mark Cuban had his had had two phone calls ready after this game, and uh, it was a, it was a more it was a more positive one. I'm guessing Kyrie Luca probably playing the rest of the way. Uh, they were strongly considering. I don't I don't know what uh what Vegas would put those odds when they made that report when they leaked that report. They were strongly considering sitting him if they had no chance. Well, they have a chance now. Kyrie 19 in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Kings played. I mean, they played everybody, and they were up the whole game. No one wants to lose a fourth quarter comeback like they did. So I think it was a real game. Uh, you know, credit for the Mavericks for beating the playoff team. All right, so with the Mavs win, they've got two games left, one against Chicago, a Chicago team who's locked into their playoff positioning or their play-in positioning, I guess, is the the better way to put it, and one against San Antonio, who's one of the worst teams in the league. So the Mavs getting this win is huge. What 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 did it do for their chances to make the play-in tournament, just this win last night over the Kings? Yeah, they only had a 7% chance to make the playoffs per 538 entering the game. Uh, so they probably returned to where they were, you know, a few days ago at 14% to make the playoffs. But that means they're almost assuredly going to be in the play-in. They're going to be favored in their last two games. And uh, if they're in the play-in, what are their odds to make the playoffs? Well, probably underdogs on the road both games. So probably, you know, 20%. So uh, likely to make the play-in, uh, very unlikely to make the playoffs. So still an uphill climb, but at least they've got a uh, – at least they're going to be invited to the dance now, it seems, anyway. And my question – my next question will be because, obviously – the the Western Conference is only going to take ten. That must mean negative news for Oklahoma City, who's who's playing pretty poorly right now. They're going to get a obviously a, a well, I shouldn't say obviously because I don't know what what uh, the Jazz's motivation is at right. this point. But they're going to be at Utah tonight, and then this weekend they get Memphis. But uh, does that mean that OKC's playoff chances took a hit with the the Mavericks winning this game tonight? Oh, yeah, for sure. Now they have to win out, and it's unlikely that they do so. They're at Utah, generally the toughest place to play in the league, you know, a three-point home court advantage right there with Denver, but they're five-and-a-half-point favorites. So that tells you a little bit about the Jazz's motivation not to win. But uh, I'm not sure OKC is thrilled with the playoff chances either. Sam Presti, I think he might be ballsy enough to be that anonymous GM to be like, I would really like more ping-pong balls this year, as, as many as I have. Milwaukee gets a win over Chicago, 105-92. Didn't need Chris Middleton, didn't need Giannis, uh, but it locks up the one seed for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, but the Bucks, oddly, it, I mean, it's not a a given that the Bucks are the best team in the East, right, McKenzie? It feels like there's right. there's some some differing opinions on who the best team in the Eastern Conference is. Yeah, right here on this feed, you might have heard uh, the RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Generally on the RJ Bell's Dream Preview feed, I uh, made a bet. Uh, with R.J. Bell, I got the Celtics plus 110 bucks or minus 110 R.J.'s got. Uh, I got to say, thinking about it a little bit more, I did bet the Bucs and they won, so I'm happy about that. The Bucs are a better team than I might have been considering. You know, their net rating isn't great on the season, but uh, they're now 11-6 and six without Giannis. That's not something they've done uh, in recent years when I didn't think they were championship medal necessarily. But they're, they're better than that. There's Javon Carter off the bench. You know, he's a real piece. Bobby Portis. The Bulls miss him. Uh, he's a real piece, could start on a lot of teams. So this is a deeper team, uh, obviously, with Middleton back for this upcoming playoff run. Uh, I still have the Celtics a half point better, but, um, you know, the Bucks are – this is probably the best version of the Bucks. Well, and for people who didn't hear that episode, you you in when you were uh, going over the bet with RJ, you were talking about the, the history between these two teams and the right. margin uh, is really kind of the eye-opening number. Yeah, the narrative, the, you know, 
blink test narrative, I guess, for the Bucks Celtics series is the Celtics one and seven, but the Bucks. I mean, yeah, the Celtics one and seven, but the Bucks didn't have Middleton, so it's a wash. I didn't see it that way. If you look at the seven games, the Celtics won on total by 42 points. That's not a small number. That's a lot of possessions that that stat is taking into account, much more than, you know, the seven coin flips. You know, the Bucs won a couple close games. And the same thing in the regular season. The Celtics are 12-2 and two ATS. So considering who was playing that night, 12 out of 14 times they beat what Vegas expected versus the Bucs over the last two years. And if you look at the scoring margin, nine points per game over the 14 games they've played, regular season and playoffs, nine points per game the Celtics have been better than the Bucs. So even if they're as good – I think the Celtics have a matchup advantage the way they shoot the ball and the way the Bucs play defense. I'm not hearing anyone talk about Philadelphia or Cleveland. Does this really feel like a, a two-horse race in the Eastern Conference? Uh, no, I think I think Philly's a real team. I, I mean, talent-wise, they're as good as anybody. And uh, if you just throw out the first you know, 20 games of the season when they were 10-10, and 10, uh, they've been the best team right there with the Celtics, right there with the Bucs. So they're, they're a real team. They're, they're definitely, I would say it's a three-horse race. Uh, sorry to the young Cavs who probably need a year or two of seasoning. Yeah, that makes some sense. But I I, I don't understand why nobody's talking about Philadelphia because I'm with you. After a, an ugly start to the season, it feels like they've been right there in the mix. So, uh, and obviously, it, it's funny. In the Eastern Conference, we're like, it's a three-horse race. In the Western Conference, it's like, I don't know. Uh, one, of these, one, of these teams, one of these teams in the play-in might be in the NBA Finals. I've got no idea. It really is fascinating to me the way that thing is breaking out. So there you go. There's the uh, the latest in the NBA. Let's get into the games that will be happening tonight. Well, tonight on the schedule, McKenzie, really only one game of uh, relevance, and that's the Thunder at the Jazz, OKC laying five and a half. And, and with the Thunder playing for their – play in tournament lives do we take advantage of this and lay the five and a half i think the way to play is shea gilgis alexander over 30 points only kobe bryant and Allen iverson have had more 30 point games and losses in any season than sga this year and uh his minutes whatever minutes restriction he generally plays with it's going to be off he's young enough where he could go 43 minutes and they're going to be all in the only only worry is if the jazz are all out and it ends up being a, a blowout uh, even then, I think the Thunder uh, push push full throttle here. So uh, the way I would play, I don't mind the Thunder minus five and a half, but I would play SGA over probably about 30 and a half points. Now, as far as the games that are relatively meaningless tonight, any of them that we could take advantage of, whether it's guys resting or just uh, any way to take advantage of these games, McKenzie? Yeah, I really like this one trend, thinking about why would the Cavs be eight-point underdogs? What is the market telling us? Uh, well, one book they opened as two-point favorites because they're a better team, but uh, it went from two to then there were four-point dogs, now they're eight-point dogs, and it's it's telling me that they're really out on this game, and the Magic are going to be just just as motivated. Uh, the Magic have the Rookie of the Year favorite, Paolo Bancaro. He's going to want to put up some stats. He's going to want to be on Center, beating a good team, and if you look at the history, teams in this spot, if you're winning 63% of your games and you're a big underdog, more than three points uh, versus a team that's losing more than half of their games on the season, you're only winning like 30% ATS. And it makes a lot of sense because if you know nothing about basketball, blink test, you're going to say, okay, the Cavs are good team, magic bad team, and they're getting eight points. Uh, there's a reason. And uh, the market just doesn't have to price that reason enough because there is that uh, instinct to bet on the better team generally. Good stuff, Mac. You know we love systems, AJ. We oh, love yes. systems. So I said during the first weekend of the Major League Baseball season that I was going to track the getaway day system and what the getaway day system is for those that have not been listening. And if you haven't, like, honestly, where have you been? You know, like, what's wrong with you? We've been here for a while now. <laughs> like, you're new. We're not. So, uh, but welcome aboard. We love each and every one of you. This is Straight Out of Vegas AM. Hi, I'm Scott. He's AJ. Mackenzie's here, too. Uh, the getaway day sweep avoidance system. If you have a day game after a night game, that's what getaway day game, getaway day means, where the teams have to leave and go to a different city. I play a, against the team going for the sweep that needs to get out of town to play the next day. So, for example, on the schedule yesterday, you had... The Braves going for the sweep in St. Louis against the Cardinals, but then had to leave after the game to fly to ho fly home for a game 
here tonight. You had the Orioles going for the sweep of the Rangers. They then had to fly home to Baltimore for their game. And you also had the Tigers playing, looking for the sweep against the Astros, but they had to fly home after the game to play their game tonight. Now, some of these games did get rained out tonight. We're going to talk about that. A lot of weather uh, implications and teams already postponing their games. We'll get into that in just a second. But the sweep avoidance getaway day system goes two and one yesterday with the Astros avoiding the sweep and getting the win, the Rangers avoiding the sweep and getting the win. The lone loss was the Braves beating the Cardinals. So two and one but plus 0.76 units overall on the season, 3-3, three and three, plus 0.39 units. So we will continue to track the getaway day system trends. Uh, now, as far as the weather is concerned, there already have been several games that have been postponed. These are home openers that were planned for today that because of the way that Major League Baseball does their scheduling, you know, you have that built-in off day with your first home series. So the Astros at the Twins in Minnesota, Yankees at the Orioles in Baltimore, Reds at the Phillies in Philadelphia, and Mets at the uh, Mets hosting the Marlins in Queens. All those games have been postponed, and they will all be played on. Friday, which was that built-in off day. So just a light schedule, and we still have uh, a home opener, and that's the Tigers at home opening up Comerica for 2023 against the Boston Red Sox and Chris Sale on the mound, making his second start of the season. AJ, the first start for Chris Sale, didn't exactly go as planned. Uh, Chris not many, Sales, uh, not many pitching appearances for the Red Sox this season have gone according to plan. That's a that's a fair point. <laughs> Sale gave up seven runs on seven hits. Three of those hits were home runs in three innings pitched. That's a twenty-one ERA, brother. That's not good. That's not ideal. That's not ideal. Um, I I gotta be honest with you. I know Spencer Turnbull didn't have a good first start either for the Tigers. He's got a 27 ERA. He gave up seven runs also, but no home runs, but seven seven runs in two and a third innings against the Tampa Rays. I still like this home feisty dog in Detroit. There's something about this Red Sox team that I just don't trust. There's something about Chris Sale that I don't trust, and this price just seems high for the Red Sox on the road. That's that's just that's my initial read into this game. Yeah, I, I think that like again, if you're looking to uh, to fade Red Sox pitching right now, I don't think there's any like I don't think there's a great case to argue against you. So uh, Tigers, I, I think the Tigers, the record looks bad, but I think in hindsight we can say, man, they just played a, a series against Tampa, who looks like maybe the best team in baseball. So maybe it wasn't as, as much of a disaster as we thought it was. Moving on, we have another day game. It is the White Sox hosting the Giants. Lance Lynn gets his second start of the season against Alex Wood. Chicago laying 135 with a total of eight. Uh, the White Sox are just a team I, I just don't want any part of this year, unless Dylan Cease is pitching. Your boy oh, Dylan Cease, AJ. My boy Dylan Cease wrecked it uh, yesterday afternoon. He came out and pitched a gym again. Apparently was sick, said he didn't sleep the night before, so he drank a whole ton of caffeine before the game mm. and said, I wasn't at my sharpest. Well, uh, at not his sharpest, he struck out eight guys, uh, and, the, of course, his strikeout total was seven and a half. Nice. There you go. That's a win. And uh, they he left the game with a 2-1 lead after five innings, and, of course, that won the first five innings prop. So, uh, listen, you were sharp enough for me, Dylan Cease. I thought he did great yesterday. <laughs> great mustache. Oh, it's uh, brilliant. The Blue Jays take on the Royals in Kansas City. Kevin Gosman against Jordan Lyles. Toronto minus 210. And I'm a big Kevin Gosman fan. He His first start against St. Louis, you know, only uh, three runs in six innings. So, not uh, great. But the defense let him down. All three runs were unearned. What concerns me, though, is that he gave up eight hits in that start. And this is way too high of a price. The Royals are not a good team. 
I don't think this should this should not be laying north of 200 in this game. This is just too heavy of a price here to back Gosman and the Blue Jays. The Nationals are at the Rockies. It's the home opener for Colorado with Kyle Freeland on now, the Now, in this game, someone has to win, right? Someone has to win. Kyle Freeland against Josiah Gray. Uh, Colorado is minus 155. The total is 11. <laughs> 11. I mean, that's where I was going to lean, right? Is going to go over. But, I mean, 11. It'll probably still go over. Uh, The Braves have their home opener against the Padres. Atlanta minus 165. Spencer Strider against Blake Snell. And as great as Atlanta is, when are you? You're not really going to get the Padres a lot of times this season at a juicy plus money price. And this team is, it looks like, you know, they're they're, they're just, they're going to break out at some point. Um, and Blake Snell is kind of hit or miss, but you could do a lot worse than taking this team at a, a nice plus money price. And then you have the Dodgers at the Diamondbacks. We already saw this series, uh, the first series of the year. Uh, Merrill Kelly, who pitched really well against the Dodgers in his first start. Dustin May, who pitched really well against the Diamondbacks in his first start. Uh, that will be the pitching matchup for tonight. Dodgers minus 155 total of eight and a half. A day late and a dollar short, AJ. It's kind of the story of my life. Uh, Bet the Calgary (laughs) Flames a couple of nights ago thinking they need to win to get into the playoffs. Like they are fighting for a playoff spot in the Western Conference and they're playing a terrible team in the Chicago Blackhawks. And they lost to the Blackhawks. But I should have had the foresight in mind to know that they were looking ahead to this game against the Jets in Winnipeg last night because with that win, and the the Calgary Flames won 3-1 over the Jets, Calgary is now tied for that second wild card with 89 Mm -hmm. points. Huge, huge win. But Winnipeg does have a game in hand, so more points available for the Winnipeg Jets. Elsewhere last night, Rangers beat the Lightning 6-3. Oilers a 3-1 win over the Ducks. That's big for the Oilers. They are one point back of Vegas for the one seed in the Pacific Division. The Rangers three points back of the Devils for home ice advantage in that 2-3 matchup in the Metropolitan. Tonight, you got the Maple Leafs at the Bruins, two teams that have nothing to play for. Boston minus (laughs) 155 with a total of six. Sabres at the Red Wings, Buffalo minus 115. These two teams are, are out of it. Actually, Buffalo is not out of it just yet. They're just, um, they actually, Buffalo has two games in hand on both wildcard teams. So that's four extra points that Buffalo could get should they win out, right? If you're talking about maximum points. And Buffalo trails by six points right now. So it's it's not... They're not dead yet. They're on life support, okay? Uh, Senators are at the Panthers. Florida is minus 250. Florida right now with 87 points. They are currently your first wild card, and Ottawa is six points back, so it might be the last stand for the Sens. Capitals at the Canadiens. Washington minus 165. Blue Jackets at the Devils. Devils minus 420. New Jersey just three points up on the Rangers for home ice advantage. Three points back of Carolina for first place. Wild at the Penguins. Pittsburgh minus 135. The Penguins are one point out of a wild card spot. But Minnesota, they also have something to play for. They're in a three-way tie for first place in the Central. Lightning at the Islanders. New York minus 115. It's the second of a back-to-back for the Lightning. So I would assume no Vasilevsky in net. And Tampa locked into their playoff spot. Nothing to play for. Islanders playing with desperation. This seems like a short price for a desperate Islanders team. Hurricanes at the Predators. Carolina minus 178 for Nashville. They are three points out of a wild card spot. The Rangers are at the Blues. Second out of a back-to-back for New York. They're minus 178. Flyers at the Stars. Dallas minus 267. Blackhawks at the Canucks. Vancouver minus 220. Kings at the Golden Knights. VGK minus 130. The winner of this game, AJ will not be in first place, only if it's Vegas, because Edmonton is four points back. Excuse me, L.A. is four points back of Vegas. Uh, Avalanche at the Sharks, Colorado minus 240, and the Kraken host the Coyotes. Seattle is minus 3 
65. Let me tell you something. Ooh. Already made the playoffs, right? They've clinched the playoffs, but they um well, they haven't clinched yet. They uh. if they win this game at 96 points, that'll put them oof, that'll put them 7 above the Jets with uh I guess five what four games left. So it's oof, it's 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 yeah. This win would they might clinch with this game tonight. Okay, I thought they were already clinched. It makes more sense that they'd be such a big favorite if they're not clinched yet. Yeah, they might they might clinch with this tonight, depending on some how how things play out. But they're going to like they have one game in hand on Winnipeg, and they have two games in hand on Calgary. So they already have a, a five point lead for the first wild card, and they have two more maximum points that they could get over the team that's chasing them. So they're going to make the playoffs. And tonight they'll probably make quick work of the Coyotes. And uh, this is a matchup that we saw literally a couple of nights ago in the same arena. And the Kraken won that game 8-1, to one, AJ. 8 That, seem, that seems one. like uh, they may have some advantages. Yes. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Joining us now on Straight Out of Vegas AM is a man who will be fighting on the main card, UFC 287 on Saturday, looking to stay unbeaten in the UFC, is Adrian Yanez. Adrian, how are you, brother? Man, I'm doing good. Excited. Big fight feels, man. Yeah, honestly, that's the best way to explain it. I'm excited. You know, when I was when I was looking into this card, and obviously I, I've known you for some time, uh, but when I was looking into your fight history, uh, are you aware that – in August of 2013, you fought the fight immediately after I fought when we were amateurs. Uh, that was the <laughs> night that you fought Casey Jones. You were the, the like third from the top of the card, and I was fourth from the top of the card. So we uh, we we've been closer than than I thought even. Yeah, yeah, no, man, I uh, I think I I can't remember. Is that the the whole uh, cup debacle thing? No, or? no, that no. Thank God, no. That was much <laughs> later on. Uh, but yeah, you, so you fought Casey Jones that night, 
Uh, Liamana fought Mike Trin in the uh, the co-main event. Well, yeah, uh, Sa- Sage Northcutt was on that card, and Colton England lost in the main event, which is funny. Uh, that means Colton England, who fought on Contender Series, you, Liamana, and Sage Northcutt have all been in the UFC. So I was the highest up on the card of guys who never made it to the UFC. So I feel pretty good about that, I've got to say. That was a 31-second night for you uh, back in 2013. Let's talk about a little more recent. Since you got to the UFC, I mean, it has been a – it really – I don't think I've been surprised. I think a lot of people who didn't know you or didn't see you before have been surprised at just how efficient and how effective you've been. Like when you going back to uh, when you lost to Miles Johns in LFA, close fight. Like did did you did you change anything at that point that really took you to another level? Because that's like a guy who's a, a UFC caliber guy. And since then, it's just been domination for you. What changed after that? Honestly, my whole mentality towards the game, it was because uh, for that fight, you know, as, as much as I want to say that I, I, you didn't get the best version of me, I was kind of doubtful of where I should have been and where I should be and everything. You know, he was like he was surrounded by a whole bunch of UFC level guys. So he was going with them on daily basis. So he like knew that he he should be there uh, for me. You know, I was the the highest ranked guy in the room whenever I was I was we're in Metro. So like it was kind of me just like even though I've seen and I've been in the training room with like uh, UC level guys before, it just was not to like the same as uh as Miles. You know, Miles was training with like super high level guys. You know, at Fortis MMA, so it was like pretty much like he was getting that on a daily basis. And me, I was still trying to figure out where I was at and a lot of things kind of got answered during that fight for me. You know, I had to figure out, you know, I was kind of doing it for, I was doing at at that time, my whole, uh, I was doing that for somebody else, you know, uh, I was kind of doing that on, for my dad, you know, if, you know, I didn't want it for myself at that moment, you know, like I had promised my dad a belt and that was my whole thing is like, I'm going to do this for my dad. I'm going to do this for my dad. And I got away from what, you know, I'm supposed to like, is this is a pretty selfish sport. You know, and I know my dad would have been happy with like me following my dreams, doing whatever I wanted. So, and essentially, I didn't really even do that for myself. I did it for my dad. So, like, my whole motivation was kind of all over the place, and I, and I was still didn't really knew if I belonged. But after that fight, going into the back, looking up at my coach, and just looking at him, being like, you know, I should be throwing up right now. I lost a close fight. I should be throwing up right now. I should be dead exhausted and. I feel like I can go five more rounds. Like I'm like this, this, it just doesn't seem right to me. Like I'm not like, I I know my dad would be disappointed with me because he like, I knew he wouldn't be disappointed. It was more the fact that I was more disappointed with myself with how, with how what's called, uh, I didn't push myself in the fight. I didn't give that fight a hundred percent of me. You know, I was like, I was so worried about like, uh, other things that I wasn't even worried about the fight. So my whole mentality changed after that. I was like, you know, my dad would have loved me either way if I got him that belt or didn't, you know? So it got to the point where I was just like, no, I have to do this for me because that's what, that's what my family and the people that love me really want. They want me to follow what I want to do in life. So pretty much my whole mentality changed and I just started grinding. And I knew I, I knew that I belonged because again, Miles there beating all like he's, he's training with UC level guys, gets a contenders call gets called up and I'm like, yeah, no, I belong there. And it just lit a fire underneath my ass. And I was just like, no, I, I can't have it either other way. I got to go out there and get it. You know, you mentioned him and the training partners that he had you in Houston, you, you're at Metro. And obviously that gym started by a, a legend of, of, especially of Texas MMA and Saul Solis, but guy who trained Tito Ortiz and Rico Rodriguez and, and Chris Cyborg, when he passed uh, in in 2020, did you like what? What was the the decision? What was the deciding factor in what where your career would go? Because you had an opportunity to go to a big gym and and get in that mix with a bunch of a bunch of alphas. You chose to stay in Houston. Uh, Liamana, who we mentioned earlier, he he went a different path. 
how did that decision get made for you? And like, do you still feel like that was the right decision? No, I definitely felt felt like I made all the right choices and in the in the midst of things. Like as crazy as that was, it was uh it was definitely a hard decision at that time because I, I honestly I didn't even really think of myself at that time. I was thinking about everybody else. I was thinking about the fighters that were gonna fight. because uh, we had fighters fighting uh four weeks after everything you know like four weeks that we went through the whole funeral process went through the whole uh uh the grievance process you know a couple weeks later uh we had fighters fighting that i pretty much like had to put on the coach cap and like because i was i was pretty much like if y'all know me like in saw like i was always in the corner with saw so i felt like i had to jump into that role for that and it pretty much was just like me uh me just starting to just train i just started training i just started kind of just running classes and it was kind of like already something that i was already kind of used to anyways uh and then we had rafion come come to the gym and he loved it stayed and uh i went out there to go train with aljo and that's whenever i really started kind of thinking like maybe i should stay up here i was kind of thinking about it but then i was like no because our work rate is like is up to par with them i was like no, let me let me come back over here and see. And honestly, it's all worked out because got a great training partner in uh, Rafion. Got a great training partner with uh, Cameron. Had Jacob Silva still still here, part of the mix. I had we have a lot of up and coming guys now. Like look look at people who never left, like Justice Torres, Oliver Jimenez, uh, Francis Obando, uh, Francisco Obando, and then Cameron again, my right hand man. You know, was making it all work. And on top of that, with me staying there. Uh, I never would have ran into uh, my coach now, you know, my head MMA coach, uh, Eve Edwards. And then I never would have, uh, I never would be working with, uh, with uh, the strike, with my striking coach, uh, Michael Chase Corley. You know, if you know anything about him, that guy is a uh, who's who and uh, the wizard. In, in Muay Thai. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the, he's the master. And then on top of that, you know, I'm working with coach Phil who's worked with, worked with uh, NFL athletes and, uh, and strength conditioning and everything. So, for me, you know, it was good that I left because now I have a good team around me. You know, I, I had it built around me and my training partners, and it's pretty much built around us, you know, to get better. So, you know, instead of having to go somewhere else and trying to find, you know, the right match, you know, we just happened to form the right match. You know, you, you did say it's a selfish game. Like, is it is it hard sometimes to think, man, I, I've got all these guys that I'm working with, but – like you said, you go up and work with guys like Aljo and you're like, there, there's certain rounds that you can't find in Houston. And I said, I said the same thing to Alex Morano years and years ago. Like at some point, if you're the best guy in the room, like it's hard, it's hard to grow. Like, is it important for you to get out sometimes and get those rounds with, with other guys? Oh yeah. 100%. And it's actually to the point where people are actually seeking us out now. So it makes it, it makes it, uh, it makes it better in our sense, in, in my, in mine, in our sense, because man, it was a blessing. Like someone like Rafion Stotts to come, uh, come to the gym. You know, he he brought a different aspect that, like, he was like the missing puzzle piece for us. You know, as training partners, because I had great strikers to go along with every single day. You know, I had someone like uh, Oliver who would be able to come in and give me some Muay Thai rounds, some kickboxing rounds. Cameron, who I can go to, we're going toe to toe in the boxing department and just going at it. You know, but you know, once the wrestling aspect and the, like the the top game aspect came along with Rafion, you know that really shot and like kind of helped seal and like kind of like close us in as a as a as a solid group and once eves came around and i started working with the people that i worked with everybody started coming in you know we started having i started getting to work with matt snell started getting to work in with a lot of these up-and-comers like uh paris moran who's a really good guy oh, coming sad. up on the scene uh and then also we have uh, Miles Johns. He actually came down to train with us for a little bit, wants to start doing his camps with us and everything. So, like, that just shows the testament of what we've done and what we're continuing to do. So uh, I'm in this position where I don't need to leave because we have the best guys coming to us and helping us train and all that stuff. So, you know, I used to be seeking seeking for extra rounds, but now I'm like, oh, no, I got my hands are full right now. I don't need to go anywhere. <laughs> So you are now five and zero in the UFC, six and zero if you count the contender series fight. 
the the last fight you had against Tony Kelly in Austin was your first time outside of the apex. How different was that? I, I, I've seen probably a dozen uh, cards in the apex. And for me, like someone who's watching the fights, it's the coolest thing in the world. Like you, it, it almost feels like you're at a, a small amateur show and you're like, except it's done with big time production at the high level fighters, but you're right on top of the fight. It's just, it's a totally different scene as a fighter. How is it for you not having fans there, not having that, that audience to, to thrive off of? Man. Cause I, it's, it was, it was absolutely nuts. Cause that LFA fight with Kyle Estrada, that one was a, to like, that was in Belton, Texas, and that one we heard the crowd. The crowd was going nuts. You know, that was the fight of the year, the fight of the year type of candidate. But going from that, where everybody's on their feet, standing up, like giving standing ovations to us, like wanting us to go to round four. <laughs> uh, going from that to the contender series, where like you could literally hear somebody talking on the phone while you're walking out. <laughs> Like, that's how crazy that was. And then we're fighting. It's so crazy when you go back and think about it. You're just like, damn, like, if you go into those moments, all you can really think about is, like, damn, like, it's so quiet. This is so weird. Uh, just no outside noise or anything it's like that. It's like going and to a smoker oh, or something. It's weird. Yeah, it, it was super weird. It felt like we just got, like, our gloves on and somebody just said, go fight. And I was like, okay. Uh, so that's how that one felt like the next one there's a couple more people in there and like uh it started building up a little bit and they started adding the little uh audience in there but man it was uh it was it was still super weird but at the same time it was kind of comforting on my end just because it's like i was able to hear my coaches clearly everything was kind of everything was audible like i could hear stuff and you know i could hear dc giving me advice you know whenever i needed it you know so uh but after that, going into the Austin Austin card, that one made me change 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 my opinion. Being like, nah, man, I I, I need crowds because my fighting style, man, that's the type of that's the type of uh, that's the type of fighting style people uh, people love to see and fans love it. And especially that roar afterwards. I know I'm being a little bit selfish when I say this, but like after knocking them out and you know giving the double verge and just walking around like hearing how ecstatic that that place was was just absolutely nuts and it was just an adrenaline rush on my end and I, I i can't wait to do that again ufc 287 in miami will be the biggest crowd you've competed in front of so it'll be a, a good opportunity for that to happen let's talk about that fight with rob font i'm of the belief that this fight is a star maker fight for you and not that you can like take it less seriously because obviously this is the biggest name you've ever fought this is probably the best opponent you've ever fought but the fact that they are giving you a striker and a guy who has lost two straight and has a a bigger or a lower number a, high, a better number in the rankings than you yet you are a pretty healthy favorite in this fight tells me the UFC is ready to put you over and put you to the star category they need you to take care of this business here and after this it's mega fights for you because if you look at the rankings beyond Rob Font it's Cheeto Vera, Piotr Jan, Sanhagen, O'Malley, uh, Dvalishvili, and, and Aljo. Like it's it's either contender fights or title fights after if you if you get this job done. When they when they told you the matchup, Rob Font, did you feel that? Did you feel like this is this is the fight that puts me on the top level? Oh, 100 percent I felt I felt that hundred percent just because like not only just in the fact that he's he's a phenomenal fighter but the fact that like he was making his ufc debut whenever i was making my professional debut that that to me is still kind of wild you know he's been around the top for a very long time and they know like the ufc knows what they're doing they 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 want to test me and they put a really big test in front of me and rob font and man i'm excited i'm really excited because again just for every reason that you stated better number than mine He's been in it for a very long time, and to me, he's a legend. And on top of that, man, it just it just shoots me up to fight those bigger names, you know, contender uh, a contenders fight, you know, to fight for that number one spot. Who gets the title shot next? So for me, um, I know the implications, and I know how serious I have to take this because uh, a guy who's who's lost two and is a dog, 
is definitely coming with something to prove. So on my end, I know I have to be on all my P's and Q's and, you know, prove the UC right that I'm that next guy, you know, and go out there and start to rock fun, you know, and, and, and do it. I got I got to go out there and do it and put a statement on it. I got to put a stamp on it. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. Rob has been early in his career. Rob was a, a finisher and lately it's been more with the one exception of the, the Marlon Marais fight. He's been more of a, 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 a compiler. He's, he's worked at a steady rate and, and just basically played it safe. When you, when you approach this fight, do you take that into consideration and say, Hey, I'm going to have to bring the fight to him. Like I, I can't let him dictate what kind of fight we have because you're a guy who you're, you're going to have the most success when fights are getting finished. Oh yeah. 100%. I feel like I, I, I do have to set the pace and I have to set the pace early and I got to make sure that anytime he gets started, I got to shut him down immediately because he he hasn't finished a guy since Marlon Marais. And I will say this, like Marlon Marais, chin was kind of weathered by at, at the time that he fought him, too. So uh, he's kind of like been like taking it easy as as a source, as in like I'm going to throw he's going to be a volume guy. But I feel like in this fight, you know, again, he's coming off of two losses. I. Uh, He's coming off of two losses. I feel like he's going to come at a different different level. I think he's going to try to come at a different pace. I think he might he might try to set the tone early, but I can't let him make that adjustment. I have to shut him down. Like every single time he comes in, I got to shut him down. Uh, and you know what? He either there's one or two ways that he's going to play out. He's either going to come out really hard, or he's going to try to uh, do a point system because he's probably he's either fighting to keep his job or fighting just to state like fighting to keep his job or he's fighting to make a statement. And on Saturday we get to figure that out. And for me, that's the favorite, that's my favorite part. Cause I kind of want to see because if he takes it as i I'm j- I just need to squeak, squeak one by, it's going to be a finish. But if not, but if not, he comes out and he comes out hard, it's going to be a fight of the night. And on top of that, I get a finish. <laughs> One of the uh, the fight the the fight that just happened recently in your division was the uh, the Jan and Dvalishvili fight, and obviously the big hubbub after that was Marab doesn't want to fight Aljamain, their teammates. You guys have trained together. Like, is is there a line drawn where it's like, hey, training together is awesome, but if the time comes and for me to get that belt like this it's business like how do you feel about that when it when it comes to guys that you've worked with or, or guys that are your teammates man honestly i i i'll say like this like if it was like cameron smotherman like no nah, we would like have your to, brother it's different yeah that, that guy that guy's like my brother like and that's for them like that's uh aljermaine's and uh Marab's. they're like brothers they do almost everything like they train they, they've been in the training room so much that it's like like they have like the same schedule with everything. So I get why they don't want to, like they wouldn't want to face each other. And plus like they, they really are like close brothers, you know, like I, like how I consider Cameron to be like, if me and Cameron were in that situation, I'm pretty sure one of us would move up or one of us would move down, you know? So uh, we, we would a hundred percent take that unless they're giving us like a 10 figure paycheck, you know? So, (laughs) you know, like, so that would be the like oh eight figure eight figure nine figure paycheck we would take that all day you know we would have some sparring rounds but uh but yeah but yeah like I understand why they don't want to fight each other but I told them from the very beginning that hey like look I'm trying to change my family's life and you know I, I'm I got to go out there get make sure that my son goes to college I got to make sure that my son doesn't have to worry about what like when the next meal is going to be coming or anything like that like I want to make sure he has a good life and you know, I got to go out there and provide that. So for me, uh, I know with me coming up, coming up and like me getting to finish over Rob Font sets me up there. And like, it's going to have to be like one of those things that they know, like, hey, like, and I've told them too. I've told them as well as like, hey, look, I'm in here to change my family's life. I got to change my son's life. I got to go out there and make it like we got to, I have to make sure that they, they're not, we're not struggling or anything like that. So if I if that if that comes with the belt, then I'm I'm chasing after the belt. You know, if one each you two has it, you know, like I love you guys, but man, sorry, like we gotta we gotta get after it. What's the one last thing before we let you go? What's it been like with uh you know being in Miami, with Israel Adesanya walking around and Masvidal walking around? Like, does it really kind of put things into perspective? Like, holy shit, I'm here. I, this is the big time. 
yeah, it, it has, and it's kind of it, it. I still get like that even since after my first UFC fight, and I've I've kind of seen these guys, seeing Anderson Silva, seeing Izzy, seeing uh, Kevin Holland, you know, and just seeing like all these guys, and like, I'm just like, I'm just still in, uh, I'm still in awe, even even to this day, like, man, like I I got a lot of love and respect for Adesanya, you know, and he's he's a really cool guy. I'm, hung out with him a couple times, you know, he messaged me every once in a while, you know, he's a good guy. So like, it's still like, it's still like, I'm, I'm a big fan seeing him. And then also kind of walk around and seeing Jorge Maldonado. I'm like, damn, that is pretty fucking badass, you know? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So for me, like I, I still get shocked and, and awed, you know, I don't think that'll ever stop on my end. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it makes it a lot more real for me being here in Miami, being here that, traveling on somebody else's dime and bring getting to bring out my family family with me man it definitely puts me in this different space from like i'm here now i gotta stay here you know so that's that's yeah. my biggest thing staying here i'm guessing that you're predicting you win this fight by knockout uh if i'm wrong let me know if i'm right w when's it gonna happen hey i i believe in the second round i believe in the second round i, I find i'll find it i'll definitely find it all right, that is Adrian Yanez, UFC bantamweight. Catch him on pay-per-view UFC 287 this weekend. Good luck, man. Good to good to hear from you. And uh, hopefully next time we're talking, it's a uh, number one contenders fight. Oh, absolutely, man. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Adrian Yanez. So, AJ, uh, are, we, are, we betting, are we betting this dude? Are we betting this uh, dude Giannis? on Saturday? Yeah. Oh, I, I it, he feels like it's a it's a good wager. I mean, he he seems very confident to me, and I, like I said, I, I think it's a good matchup for him. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Adrian's a, a good a good guy to look at right now. Listen, I'm a sucker. You come on our show, uh, I will invest my money in you, win or lose, and I'll feel good about it. How about that? I think that's very fair. We, we want to support our guys. Yes, we want to support our guys. Uh, we also want to support you, our loyal listeners. And to do that, we're going to give you 20% off anything that you would like at pregame.com. You head to pregame.com and you can use our promo code RISE20, R-I-S-E 20, and that is going to give you 20% off anything you'd like on the website, whether it's a daily best bet package, uh, the UFC betting card this weekend. How about a season-long subscription? Get the most bang for your buck. Major League Baseball, season subscription. You know, I'm on an 11-3 baseball run right now. Starting to see the board pretty clearly. So uh, jump on board, 20% off. Use the promo code rise 20 at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman and Mackenzie Rivers, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.